Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. I'm taking you back to August 19, 1991. It's 93 degrees and humid, and hundreds of anti-abortion protesters from around the country have gathered in Wichita. There's nothing spontaneous about it. Planning went on for weeks, and eventually hundreds would swell to thousands. Most people, including the city's three abortion clinics, the police, and city officials, thought the whole thing would be done in a few days with a handful of arrests. But what came to be known as the Summer of Mercy, stretched on for six tense weeks, resulted in 2,600 arrests, and changed politics in Kansas in ways that we feel right this minute. The podcast is Archiver. The episode, How Did We Get Here? Me, I'm your host, Sam Zell. For the last decade, Kansas politics has been conservative, very conservative, hard right. There have been attempts to stop teaching evolution in public schools, efforts to make same-sex marriage unconstitutional, and countless anti-abortion bills in the legislature. Conservative lawmakers emboldened by those protests in Wichita in 1991. I want to go back to August 17th and play you some more videos shot by abortion protesters. People are sitting in front of a clinic. And if you listen closely, you can hear police putting zip cuffs on people that they're arresting. And then this woman confronts Wichita police. And I'm a grandmother and a great-grandmother, but I lost one of my grandchildren because it was killed through abortion. And my brother-in-law got killed in Germany so that you guys would have freedom here in America and so that you could stand there and protect that killer from killing babies? Have you no sense of decency? No inner soul, no nothing. You are called men, but you are barren of heart. And you stand there like proud men. You should be ashamed of yourselves and fall on your knees. And I pray that God Almighty will one day bring you down on your knees and you will be begging God for mercy. And you must repent. And when thousands gathered at Cessna Stadium, They yelled at reporters to tell the truth, the 1990s and less catchy version of fake news. So it went on like that for a month and a half, and it emboldened conservatives across the state. We'll get to that in just a bit. 
But first, I want archiver historian Virgil Dean to put all this in perspective. So it seems through Candace history, there's always been an evolution, somewhat of an intra-battle, if you will, in the Republican Party for what that party's going to look like. So we see some of that uh, evolve in the 20s. How does it look in the 40s and 50s as the Republican Party is trying to figure out what it wants to be in Kansas? By the post-World War II period, you you have a kind of a movement to become more homogenous maybe in nature. The state of Kansas is, you know, becoming less and less unique in the opinion of many people. Dwight Eisenhower's brother, Milton Eisenhower, uh, lamented being more known for its complacency with regard to political reform issues or uh, good government type things, causes, worthy causes than it is for uh, being out on the forefront of these movements. And so there's a, a tendency, I think, to go to the more moderate more conservative, but there's still that battle in the Republican Party throughout the 50s between those who are more in the center to the left and those on the right. Do you think that you can draw a line from the battle for what the Republican Party was going to look like in the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s? Is there a direct line between that uh, and then what we saw in 1991 with the emergence of the far right movement in Kansas at the Summer of Mercy in Wichita. Is there a direct line to that, or is it more squiggly, do you think? I don't know if it's real direct or not. Maybe squiggly is a better way to put it. (laughs) But you do have, uh, then going into the 60s with the Barry Goldwater's campaign, you have some real real battles between what would still be considered the moderate wing, like with John Anderson, uh, and uh, the more conservative wing of the party that splits badly uh, in 64. Uh, and then that takes takes you into the Reagan era uh, where we have uh, some Republicans strongly supporting that, others in Kansas more moderate. Uh, and there's always that battle back and forth between the two. The Equal Rights Amendment battles in the 1970s, Kansas was one of the first legislatures to pass that in 1972, I believe, yeah, 1972. But then there emerged immediately uh, a lot of support in Kansas for recension. Uh, People organized to oppose the Equal Rights Amendment, a lot of conservative women's groups. And that really starts a lot, gets the ball rolling that will ultimately lead into the anti-abortion movement. And to at least some of these people would be a part of that. And it's the social it's the social issues then like abortion uh, that uh, really have an impact on the, the later ni- later twentieth century and the move uh, of the party to the far right. But of course, these are things that are happening on the national level too. So by the early twentieth century, you have most people I think would agree that the Republican Party is a party of conservatives, um, whether it's so- social or political conservatives, economic conservatives and the Democratic Party more the party of progressive liberal causes. It's really hard to list all of the momentous events in those six weeks in Wichita. Federal marshals were called in. The leader of the protest, Keith Tucci, he was arrested for violating a federal court order to cease blocking access to clinics while he was on a radio program. Wichita Police Chief Rick Stone, he received the Department of Justice Law Enforcement Officer of the Year Award. 
And the New York Times called it a political windstorm that hurled Wichita into the center of the bitter national feud over a woman's right to an abortion. What nobody knew was how that windstorm would blow into politics today in Kansas and how all of this fits into the season's theme, the free state myth. So when you want perspective and context on Kansas politics, there's only one person to check with. I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star's editorial board. I write editorials and a, and a column on occasion. It took a couple of years, says Dave, before the Summer of Mercy essentially took control of the Republican Party in Kansas. But when it did, it grabbed the party by the throat and wouldn't let go. But w- what the Summer of Mercy did was, in essence, coalesce conservative Republicans around a very simple idea and then provided them energy that was then salted in races like the T.R. Glickman race and the Bob Benny uh, uh, Brownback race. And the message was clear. The message to Republicans was clear. You need to be on the right side of the abortion, abortion issue or you don't have much of a chance. What amazes me is how that has changed any number of issues in Kansas that have nothing to do with abortion. Correct. uh, But has had everything to do, or a lot to do, with school funding. Correct. With how we pay for highways, uh, what we fund in uh, in government. Uh, And I'm wondering what you think the long-term effect of that is and are we swinging back? Because my theory is always the pendulum comes back to the middle, and I want to know what you think the long-term effect is and whether you see the pendulum coming back to well, the middle. Well, first of all, sort of in reverse order, I agree with you the pendulum comes back, but I've written about the impact of abortion as a political thing uh, over many years because I think most of our politics now is defined by the abortion issue approach which is this, you you can compromise on school finance, you can compromise on taxes, you can compromise on road building, but if you think abortion is murder, (laughs) you, you, you really can't compromise on that. And if you think, on the other hand, it isn't that a woman has a right to choose, it's hard to compromise on that issue too. And so what the Summer of Mercy did and what the 90s did, in my view, is to solidify an approach in which both sides refuse to compromise based on principle. And that ethos has infused everything else we do. Suddenly, your, def- your tax position is not a-, a position on the practical impact of tax cuts or tax increases. It's a moral stance. It becomes a moral issue around which it's very difficult mm-hmm. to compromise, mm-hmm. or school finance, or transportation. Uh, I've been convinced for years that the abortion uh, uh, debate has infused almost all of our politics. And in that way, I think you can draw a direct line from the Summer of Mercy to Donald Trump because you, you, you get into a situation in which political choices are m- much more about morality and, and uh, uh, moral issues than they are about practical problem solving. And I think that's a direct result of what we've argued about abortion for all these years. And so I, I, I'm a bit more pessimistic than you in the sense that we live in such a diffuse media environment that 
it's so easy for people to go into their corners and refuse to compromise. Uh, I do think, uh, by and large, and by the way, on abortion, I think we swing a little bit back to the middle. But the extremes still have an outside voice in some ways on both sides, and it's infected everything we do in politics. By the way, not just in Kansas, but in most states in the country. As we talked about earlier in this podcast, the Kansas Republican Party has changed a number of times over the last 150 years. And I'm intrigued by what you just said. Are we going to see a slightly different Republican Party now based on what you just said, that maybe they're backing away from that? Maybe it's not the political winner that it has been since 1991. Do you see a a slightly different Republican Party, one changing once again? Right. Uh, I do, uh, in, in large part because in Kansas, uh, Republican power in many ways is centered on Johnson County, where most of the Republican votes come from. I mean, you, it's about a third of the registered Republicans in the entire state. And while there are still pockets of uh, cultural Republicanism and anti-abortion uh, energy in Johnson County, particularly in Olathe and south of Olathe, by and large, suburban communities are moving away, in my view, from um, you know my way or the highway politics. I think there is a certain sense in Ca- in Johnson County and in Kansas that compromise and problem solving increasingly is more important uh, than sort of doctrinaire approaches, which is why I think 2018 is so important. Remember. You know, the third district in Kansas went for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. And you you do get the sense as the suburbs stay relatively young and you get that sort of new infusion of a more uh, libertarian approach among younger voters, that there will have to be a change in Kansas uh, away from this more rural-based my way or the highway approach. Now, again, we'll see that with Chris Kobach, who is very appealing outside of places like Johnson County. If he wins the primary, then maybe that pendulum isn't swinging quite as much back to the middle as it might have. But if he struggles, uh, and if Johnson County voters who showed some real independence in state legislative races in 2016, um, if, if we see that trend continue, then yeah, I do think it moves back a little bit more close to the, to the center in the state of Kansas. And really maybe, Sam, across the country. We give the final word on this to archiver historian Virgil Dean. And then I have some exciting archiver news to share with you before we say goodbye for this season. I want to wrap up this episode. One of the recurring themes in this season of Archiver has been the free state myth. Uh, And it occurs to me that as we talk about this, that uh, that is also part of this discussion, that there's always been lanes open for people who wanted to radically change the political landscape in Kansas. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that that uh, because of the nature of Kansas's early history, um, there were people that were pushing the envelope in terms of the rights for individuals. Uh, there were also other forces pulling back from that, reacting against it. So, uh, in some ways, you have you do have avenues for reaction and action 
uh, on these different issues that I think are, are pretty significant in the history of the state. And we're not done with him yet, it doesn't look. No, I don't think so. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this season of Archiver. If you missed our episode on Indian boarding schools with the actor Wes Studi, or our William Allen White episodes with NPR's Bill Curtis, I hope you'll go back and listen. I'm thrilled to say that in 2018, Archiver will be doing some oral histories from Vietnam veterans, and a very exciting project on the Kansas City A's, a story that begins with a sickbed family betrayal in Philadelphia, and ends with hardball politics in Washington. Archiver is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. You can see photos at FountainCityFrequency.com. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. And for my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you soon with new archivers.